Hi everyone, I'm Jen Fry from the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries and I am your host today. And I'd like to welcome you to our Nature Evolutionary webinar series where we delve deeply into what it means to be a co-creative, to be in co-creative partnership with nature through dynamic explorations into consciousness raising that is at the core of one's vision of a world where people and nature are co-creative partners and all life has the right to thrive. I want to thank our members and donors for making possible today's webinar, Black Joy in Green Spaces with Chris Omni. Chris Omni is an eco-spiritualist, two-time TEDx speaker, three-time first place three-minute thesis winner, Black women's health researcher, published author, documentary filmmaker, internationally recognized nature writer, community mobilizer, <laughs> and former health motivation of columnist. Chris, I'll be tired, just saying all that. <laughs> so, um, and that's not it. Chris is also currently a doctoral candidate at Florida State University, where she is researching Black joy in green spaces. So you can learn more about Chris's work at our website, MotherEarthAcademy.me, M-E. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so, so much. You got me over here cheesing. So, <laughs> and then to see the smiles of the people. And I saw Kimberly put up a little um, emoji. So thank you so much for the warm welcome. Everyone, my name is Chris Omni, affectionately known as the health hippie. And before we dive in, I have a question for you. And that's actually is more of a favor. If you don't mind for this first part, will you please turn your cameras off? It won't last long, but for this first part, please turn your cameras off. I'm gonna leave mine on, but I am gonna close my eyes because before I start anything, whether it is a group exercise workout or if it's a conversation through like community networking or even if it's just a class, I start with breath work. I think it's critical that we not just honor our own breath, but we really recognize those who can no longer breathe. Those who have influenced our lives and enabled us to make it to this point. We always say, or we hear that we're able to stand on the shoulders of giants and we become giant because of those shoulders. A lot of those giants are no longer here. I started doing this practice when I watched my mama take her final breath from a 26 year battle with cancer. I knew breath work was important, but you never realize how important it is until you watch the final breath. So I'm going to close my eyes. I ask that you do the same. And just for a few moments, I want you to feel your breath. I want you to honor your breath. I want you to realize that you are breathing because somebody was able to breathe life into you and through you. As we take this collective breath, 
us ground our energies in the present moment. Give honor and love to our ancestors. Honor and love to those who have gone on before us. With this collective breath, we breathe in and out. Ashe, thank you so much. So now that we're finished with the breath work, feel free to turn your cameras on because I wanna see all my babies. I wanna get a little bit of eye contact with you, even if it's just for a little bit. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you're sitting there in the nude, get comfortable. <laughs> I don't care if you have a glass of wine. I just want to see my babies for a little bit, my, my tribe around the world. Lovely. <laughs> Thank you so very much. I thought actually somebody was going to turn it on and be nude. I'm like, yes, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. Go, what, what's your name over there? Pauline. Yes, I see you, love. <laughs> All right. So I will be quiet and turn it on over to you so that we can get into the interview. Thank you for honoring breath with me. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, so we're talking about Black joy and green spaces today. So can we start? Can you just tell us what is Black joy? Oh, ooh. so if you watch my TED talk, you already know the answer to this. Are, is it Mariana? 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 Thank you for nodding your head so viciously. Like, yes, I saw the TED talk. If you've seen it, you already know my answer. And I will give it to you poetically just in case you have not Black joy is a statement. Black joy is a stride. Black joy is permission. Black joy is pride. Black joy is a form of resistance and black joy is a form of rest. Black joy is anything and everything you need it to be because truly black joy is the best. So that's the poetic answer of what is black joy. And each one of those pillars really dive into the importance of why we are here today and especially black joy in green spaces. That for that first part, black joy is a statement. I am tired of the deficit narrative that tends to surround black people. When you're looking at research, when you're looking at the media, when you're turning on Facebook and Instagram, um, you're looking at headlines on newspapers, you don't necessarily see these positive stories of joy. You see almost everything that's wrong with black people. And that particular narrative gets transferred into the minds and spirits of those people who don't know any better to ask the questions of what's the other part of the story. So since there's not a whole story out there, I decided to tell our part. So black joy is a statement. For the second part, black joy is a stride. Babies, 
you just walk different when you feel joy. You are upright, your shoulders are back, you are leading with your heart, that there's a certain way that a cadence to your step when you feel, when you feel joy. So that's why I added that for the second pillar, that it's a, it's a stride. It could be a fast walk, it could be a slow walk, it could be a dance, it could be a standing still, but your energy moves before you. I don't know if you've ever felt that with somebody that you feel their energy walking towards you before you even get right there with them physically. But black joy is a stride. Black joy is permission. And sometimes that permission is a verbal permission for me to tell black women, black men, black transgender, black LGBTQ, black folks, that we are joyful people. And it's okay to honor and live in that joy and express it however it comes out. Sometimes that permission is unspoken because they observe you. You know, I, I remember my mama used to say, it's not always about what you say. <laughs> A lot of times it's about what you do. So when you are striding in this place of joy and you're changing the narrative about joy, you're granting permission for other people to do the same. Number four, black joy is a form of pride. I don't know about y'all, but I love black people. I love seeing the smiles on our faces. I love seeing the, the way we do our hair and arrange our style. And I just feel this great sense of pride when I see Black people and they're living their natural, authentic, unapologetic self. So I put that in there. A lot of it was, was personal because of the way I feel but I've had my elders tell me that I make them proud because the way that I move in this world. So black joy is pride. Number five, black joy is a form of resistance. Resistance can be something as simple as a peaceful protest. It doesn't have to be 20,000 people in the street marching and demanding. It could just be that form of resistance of saying that I value myself enough not to accept your bullshit. And in that space of a peaceful protest, you stand taller. You, un you understand and honor who you are as a black person. And within that resistance, you're saying, I'm not gonna accept your narrative because I know my truth. I know the truth of my ancestors. The one that I really, really like, which I need to get to today, but it's been storming, but black joy is a form of rest. I don't know if you've heard of the strong black woman phenomena, but there is this strong black woman phenomena and schema that we wear these superhero capes. 
that we have an S on our chest, that we are here to take care of everybody else at the expense of taking care of ourselves. So when I look at black joy as a form of rest, it is re giving permission to remove that metaphorical cape associated with being the strong black woman and simply being. I'm working on a degree in art education and a lot of people ask, you know, are you a painter? No. Do you draw? No. Are you a performer? Not really. Do you, are you a dancer, a composer? I like to dance. I like to choreograph stuff, but no. So what is your art? My art is love. My art is listening. My art is healing. My art is slowing down to be present with self. And that's why Black joy is a form of rest. Long answer, but there you go, Jen. <laughs> it was wonderful. Thank you. And I'm glad that you explained more. Um, the stride, I was, I was a little um, curious about that one. And I wondered if it was because we walk different. Um, so I really appreciate that. But, you know, really this part, this last part is the one that hits me hardest. Um, and when you say my art is love, listening, healing, and slowing down to be present with self. Um, I just, I think I want to broadcast that. <laughs> and I think, so um, a couple years ago, we offered a, a creative class through one. And it's something that we had to come up, come up against because when we talk about art, everybody's like, oh no, I'm not an artist because we think you have to be like Michelangelo or, you know, like you have to be this fine artist. So I love that definition. And it just reminds us that we're all artists and yes. yeah. Completely. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Um, so, so now I want to know about the second part of this. So, you know, green space, where, how does green space come into black joy? Oh, yes. I really wish that we could be outside so you can visit my healing garden. But for me, the conversation of green spaces really tie in, ties into eco-spirituality that I moved from Kansas on June 1st, 2020, in the thick of a pandemic that we were all experiencing to Florida. I didn't know anyone. No one knew me. My entire business and brand was back home. Our kids are 27 and 26. So my husband and I are here to start a new chapter. So I was rebuilding and having to discover myself in this, in this new chapter of my life. It got hard because I'm used to knowing almost every, Topeka is a small town in Kansas. I knew quite a few people. And to go where I can't hug people, I can't touch people, I can't see people. I see some head nods. My, my yeah, yes, Kate, I feel that. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Alexis, I felt that too. Thank you. But I could not get with, I, I, I couldn't touch people and, and people couldn't touch me and we couldn't interact. So I turned to Mother Earth. I literally started walking and my walking turned into communing. My entire background, like almost 25 years is in public health. 
So this art education is a whole new thing. But coming from a background of public health, I used to look at walking as physical activity. But when I moved here and I felt that loneliness and that isolation and that sadness, and I, I'm gonna say a word and, and hopefully you can relate to this, but this visibly invisible space that I was in that I needed a way to connect and that walking became communing with trees. It became communing with the birds. It became engaging with this heart conversation with moth, like, like literally moth, a luna moth visited me. And then there was another luna moth that visited me. Then there was another, I mean, if anybody likes butterflies and moths, you know how spiritual those beings are. And a luna moth, only what I discovered only has like a nine month lifespan. But I had five of them <laughs> visit me and it was during the day and they, they visited my porch to rest mm -hmm. so that they could continue their journey. So for me, that black joy in the green spaces was how I was able to rebuild myself reconnect with this space of love and, and connection that was missing. And from there it grew into container gardening. And if you, and you, you're, you're nodding your head because you watched the Ted talk, but I'm not a gardener, I'm a grower. I, I, I totally grow with love and grow with compassion and I don't have a green thumb, I have a green heart. And growing with love, right there in the healing garden is what brings me joy. It's a place for me to nurture mother earth as mother earth nurtures me. So green spaces moved and morphed to a lot of different areas, but it started in 2020 with my connection with a, with a tree. That's one of the reasons why I love trees so much. Will you share? Yes, yes, I called her old lady. <laughs> so this tree, oh my God, I don't, I, I don't know if she was, I think she could have been a pine. Yes, she was a pine. I don't know how old she was, but she was super tall, beautiful crown, wide branches. I watched ants crawl on her. I watched cicadas sit on her. I watched, um, some of her branches fall. I literally was standing underneath her and put my hand on her body and a single drip. I don't know where that drip came from, but it was just like a, a little hello on my forehead. Mm -hmm. So I, and some people are nodding, like you, you can relate to this tree experience that there is an energy and a connection. And what I came to realize and totally love is that old lady was telling me thank you she was saying thank you for noticing me rather than passing me by and I think about the metaphor behind that of how many times we just walk past people we don't acknowledge them through eye contact we don't acknowledge, acknowledge them through heart contact it's almost as if they're not even there and I can't make this up like 
two weeks ago for date night, we were leaving the restaurant and this young black woman was walking alongside of me and she just kept on walking. And I'm like, oh, I'm standing right here. She didn't want to say hi. So I'm going to say hi. And so I turned and I said, good night. And she was just kept on moving. But then she paused and realized that I was talking to her. And she turned with this big smile that went ear to ear and from her heart. And she said, I'm not used to people being nice. So the idea of acknowledging the tree helps to acknowledge the people, which in turn acknowledges me and my humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I've had the um, similar experiences with trees that they get so excited when we give them notice. And, uh, and I think it's, what I feel is that they're helping us to remember how to be in community with others because um, it's easier. Like just what this woman said to you is, you know, she's not used to people being nice, but so if that's what we're used to, it's a little bit easier for us to connect, particularly with trees and, and feel safe with them. Yes. Helping us to feel safe with one another. Completely. Um, so I know part of your research is asking people, um, asking particularly, do you focus on black women? I do. Okay. So asking black women, what gives them true joy? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, what have you discovered along this inquiry? I started this in September, actually a year, almost a year ago to the day <laughs> I started this adventure of asking people, um, about joy. I was sitting in Greensboro, North Carolina. I was part of cohort number 109 for the Elsewhere Museum. I went out to the community park and just, I, I enjoyed watching the sunrise and the sunsets, but, and that's that green space conversation again. Mm -hmm. But this particular day while watching the sunrise, I had my chair, I had my journal and this young family, it was a black man, black woman and their baby girl. They walked by and they saw me journaling and they continued to walk by, but they smiled. On their way back, I don't know exactly what they said, but it sparked a conversation. And I said, you know what? Why don't I just ask them what brings them joy? Totally random. It was not on my radar before that, but I was feeling joyful by watching the sun and I wanted to know what brought them joy. After I asked that question and watched the husband light up and then he turned to his wife and to watch her light up, I'm like, Chris, think there is something here. By simply asking the question, people light up, try it again. <laughs> <laughs> so as a researcher, I'm like, all right, I need to find a way to, um, get sponsorship so that I can literally conduct this little pilot study. Mm -hmm. So I went to the director, the executive director of Elsewhere Museum, and I asked if they would sponsor $50 so that I could go to Cookies Cafe. And Cookies Cafe is a black owned, black owned coffee shop in Greensboro that was on the corner. So I'm like, if I buy people coffee or tea, 
then they can exchange stories mm -hmm. to get the free drink. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking. And then that just turned into a series of street interviews. And at that particular time, there were a lot of black men and black women. There were people who were um, in transition from homes and, and they just came up and they're like, you know, we want a free drink. What do we have to do? I have two questions. What brings you true joy? And number two, what was it like to have me ask you about true joy? That's it. And what I gathered from Greensboro were three key things, faith, family, and friends. I'm like, all right, if I'm doing this in Greensboro, North Carolina, my next stop after this is Kansas City, Missouri. Not only am I gonna do the same thing, I'm gonna find a sponsor where I can hire a videography team to record this and make it real official. The problem with that is that I did not find a sponsor. My credit card became the sponsor. <laughs> Because I saw so much value and potential in this research. I said, I'm going to make the investment in me and I'm going to make the investment in Black Joy. Mm -hmm. So I partnered with the um, NIA project and they have an annual event called Black Women Get Fit. So the Friday before the conference, I led a, an earthing with Omni workshop. And at the end of the workshop, I said, I would like to ask questions about joy. Anybody wanna come and volunteer to be a part of this? And they said almost the same thing. Faith, family, friends. One person said dancing. And I'm like, ooh, there's an extra answer. So if I can get into a space to receive sponsorships, to travel the globe, then I can gather more data about what brings true joy. The best part of this question is part two. So for any of you who have seen the TED talk, I'm sorry to, to repeat it, but it really is the best part of this research that by simply creating and holding space to focus on what is right, the question itself brings joy. There is an instant connection and energy shift when you ask somebody about them in a positive way. That was the biggest takeaway outside of faith, family, friends, and dancing. I love the second question. And I think that that's missing a lot. We don't take time to hold space with one another. So I don't know, did I answer that? Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, well, I mean, I think that goes back to your, the whole subject around black joy and just looking at what's right um, and celebrating what's, what's right. Um, and so I have a, a teacher, Rocio Alarcon, and that's one of her, her focuses is when we are working, um, when you're working with a client, you're looking at what's right. And that's, that's what you allow to set the path because when we look at what's wrong, we're just setting ourselves up for more disease. So let's, 
let's focus on what's right. So, right. And that goes back to that deficit narrative. Right. So right. thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that um, moved me when I was listening to, um, I don't know, I've listened to a few things by you, so I don't know if it's in the TED talk or something else, but in your previous life, you did a lot of like health research. Um, so, you know, just listening to, yeah, there's a lot of deficit narrative, particularly for black women in health research. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, I was just like, oh, I wonder, and maybe this is why you're doing it, Chris. Maybe this is obvious, but I'm like, oh, I wonder if just switching things to look at what's joyful, does that actually like help shift the health automatically? Ding, ding. And <laughs> in addition to that, I was tired of hearing everything that was wrong and sharing what was wrong. So what I'm working on now and, and speaking it to the universe is how we can look at the social determinants of health mm -hmm. through the lens of black joy. Mm -hmm. So black joy becomes a component of public health that helps to shift the narrative. So wow. y'all heard it here. So when it, <laughs> when it happens and I get hired to teach it, y'all heard it first. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Um, I think that's great. I want, I want it to happen. So I hope so. <laughs> um, I'll get the vibrations from y'all. It, it's going to happen. <laughs> so I, I mean, I think the other obvious question is what brings you joy? Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, every day is something different. Every day. It could be the, the basics of waking up as a homeowner. And, and I know that that sounds strange and very materialistic, but we were in a position when we moved here and we were renting and the owner decided that they wanted to sell the house. So we only had a few months to get out. My daughter is 27 and in Vegas and life happens for her, but if she had to move back home, while we were in our other place, we would have to go to the landlord and ask for permission to change the contract to allow someone else in. Mm -hmm. So just having this sense of ownership and knowing that I can take care of, we can take care of our family without having to ask permission from anybody else. Mm -hmm. That's a moment of joy. Um, you can't see them right now, but my three puppies are somewhere on the floor asleep. Watching them brings me joy. This creating and holding spaces to be in dialogue brings me joy. Container gardening, hands down. Going outside, sitting with Mother Earth and watching, like, I. I get obsessed with it, like, what's gonna happen today? That brings me joy. So every day is something different. Every, every moment within the day is something different because the mantra that I live with now relates to seeing, it relates to being, um, it relates to speaking and listening. But one of the things that I say for my daily mantra is that I, Chris Omni, will see with new eyes. I, Chris Omni, will listen with new ears. And I, Chris Omni, will speak with a new tongue. 
So part of that mantra of seeing, and, and it could just be something that, like seeing a photo, see, I mean, just little things, you see something in it when you look with new eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, um, I think that is what helps us find joy in the small, in the small aspects. Like often I think when we talk about joy, we're, we're thinking big things, right? And it's like the, the small everyday joys are really what power us through. Yes, and yeah. Looking, looking with new eyes helps that for sure. And since you asked me, may I ask the audience? Oh, of course, go for it. Um, please put it in the chat already. And Marge in Scotland, you already beat me to it. So I love how this is going around. Um, either do you want them to put it in chat or come off of? Let's put it in chat for now, okay. yeah. All right, so I wanna see what brings you true joy. So yes, so for our listeners, Marge said that this conversation brings me great joy. So thanks, Marge. Thanks for joining us. And we're just waiting while you're furiously typing away. Sylvia says, looking at the seven big pristine white orchid flowers on a healthy plant in my dining room window. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Lara says, nature, friends, heart sharing. Pauline. Green allies bring me joy. Kate, being in the natural world, conversations like this, and my dog, Gracie. Mm -hmm. Alexis, this talk is bringing me so much joy. Seeing people living in their fullest expressions brings me joy. Oh, lovely. Yes. Marcus, who is my partner, says spending time with my grandson. Our grandson brings us lots of joy. Yeah. Um, and Alexis says, my cat too. And uh, I'm not sure, do you pronounce it? Ailey uh, says, bringing me, or being by a river in a forest, walking barefoot, my grandbabies, moving my body, friends, activism. Mm. April, wind moving in trees, babies laughter, making fairy houses with my granddaughter, mm. dancing and dancing. Amy, this morning, gardening last night, the beautiful moon, my mom's smile. And Olivia, art brings me joy. Being in safe spaces brings me joy. Nature practices brings me joy. My family. Rama, being in nature, friends I meet walking and their dogs, my river and my male Tai Chi tree. Oh, there's more. Oh, April, swimming in the ocean. And, and have to add feeling rested. So I don't know about, I mean, I don't know what it was like hearing me read these out. Marcus is saying being outside in the mountains, but for me, just reading them, I feel a shift in my body and it makes me like, I feel my shoulders drop. I just, so in my own work, I would say I'm moving into heart coherence. Like uh, my body's relaxing. Uh, Laura says, watching my 91-year-old mom shake her shoulders when I play Jean-Baptiste Freedom Song. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. That was wonderful. Do you feel this? Do you have the similar reaction when you're asking people about joy? Do you, do you feel it shift in you? Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I definitely feel the shift, but I also get, get very emotional when people type in about their moms. Mm-hmm. And whoever wrote seeing their mom smile was just that, <laughs> you know, every, everything, you know, you have different triggers at different times. And Kate, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. I miss my mom too. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kate, I feel that hug. Thank you, love. <laughs> Woo. I didn't even bring tissue. I didn't know it was going to be like this, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I should have brought some tissue. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Chris. That was, um, it was very sweet and, um, and powerful. And also for so many people, it's the relationship with nature. And also, again, the small things, like you said, the smile of your mother, like just those small things that just so beautiful. It is. It is. Thank you for that moment. And thank you everyone for, for chiming in. Sometimes when you do these webinars and you ask questions, it's just like crickets. (laughs) So it was nice to just see this this download of of joy coming through. One thing about research Mm -hmm. is that you want to conduct research in a way that is able to be um, generally applied as well. Mm -hmm. So you might have a target population, but you would want your results to be applied to a general audience. Mm So everything that I said about black joy, you know, is something that's still applicable to a general audience. Um, it is something that, that we can all um, actively pursue. We can actively um, support and engage. I read a book, I don't even remember the name of it now, but it was about the Buddhist practice of empathetic joy. And within the practice of empathetic joy, um, you know, a lot of times when people just leave it at empathy, they're like, oh, I know the pain that you're going through. I'm, I'm sorry for that experience or that loss. And it's a negative space. But within this Buddhist practice of empathetic joy, I can get joy off of your joy. And there's enough joy to go around. Just like the two or three people that mentioned how beautiful the moon is, the sky is big enough to hold all the stars and hold us too. The same is true with joy. That joy is that sense of illumination and we're all able to get a little piece of that light and our challenge is to share that light with other people. You got me on a soapbox. Let me come back. Let me no. come back. <laughs> No, it's beautiful. I think it's important. And um, so, you know, in your TED, because I mean, we're talking specifically about Black joy. Right now, we've been talking about joy, but really overall, specifically Black joy. Yes. And, um, and you're hitting it a little bit there when you're talking, but in your TED Talk, you also mentioned something that, you know, you don't need to be Black to appreciate Black joy. And, um, and so what I'm thinking, uh, you know, is one of the things, well, 
I've been trying to figure out how's the best way to ask this because, you know, as, as white people, everything's been about white people from like for the last several hundred years, right? But like, what is, what is the role for us in, in, black jo in Black Joy? Challenge the deficit narrative. That is your role. Challenge it every single time you see it and you hear it and understand that is not the whole story. When you are in spaces to use your privilege to allow for another voice and vantage point to come through, use it wisely, use it boldly. So that's what I would invite you to do. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I just wanna thank you again for that <laughs> and for allowing that conversation. Um, also from your, from your TED talk, I know that you, are, you have a very special connection with your grandmothers. Um, and, uh, and particularly, well, your TED talk is about Granny's Garden. So I'm wondering uh, what, what lessons have you learned in Granny's Garden? Oh, what lessons? That's gonna take the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I want to say that the granny that I was referring to in my TED talk is the granny on my dad's side. And my relationship with my dad really only started about 15 years ago. Mm. I'll be 48 in December, but now at almost 48, I feel like a daddy's girl. So getting to know my dad at this stage in my life allows me to know that entire side of the family that I had been missing out on for decades. And when I fell in love with green spaces and I fell in love with container gardening, I had always known that my dad likes to garden. So I knew that I got it from him. But like I said in the TED talk, he got it from somewhere and that is from granny. And granny is now 96 years old, still kicking it. And she, although she has dementia, she can remember some of those stories of being in the garden and what she loved to grow. And I remember, <laughs> I remember her and my dad sharing that she, and this isn't going to get her in trouble because she's 96. Nobody better, better not come after granny, but she used to take cuttings from restaurants. So <laughs> when she would go out, and <laughs> yes, <laughs> so she would see beautiful plants at restaurants and, and parks and all these different places and have these little, little scissors in her in her handbag and clip it and start propagating at home and then my dad would be like where'd you get that one from and where'd you get that and then my dad was a part of it <laughs> not that he helped cut but he was guilty by association so what I got from that granny is to be present and learn to be still she would spend hours in her garden. She would love up on and around and nurture and be able to speak a language with them that the common everyday person wouldn't understand. 
So I never personally witnessed that, but hearing the stories of my dad telling me about her, and then when she, when her dementia would would be subsided and she could chime in about some of the memories, I could hear her telling me, but me personally witnessing, I never got to. So that's Granny. Grandma is an, is on my mom's side, and. From grandma, I got the best permission. So going back to Black Joy is a permission. I got the best permission from her, from reading her Bible. And the backstory is that I used to go to church, born and raised in the church, got baptized, and then around the age of what, 17, 18, no, 18, I left home, moved to St. Louis and never got involved with church again until I came back home and I was pregnant. I was pregnant at 19 and I walked into the, the church house and, my, and I could feel the eyes. I could, I could just feel this conversation about our poor little crystal being an unwed mom, what is she going to do now? She had her whole life ahead of her. So it was a whole narrative and a whole shift in my spiritual practice that I just let it be. I just let that go. But fast forward to 2021 and I'm working on my PhD and one of our assignments is to create a um, subjectivity statement. And the subjectivity is like, where are you coming from in regards to the subject? I said, you know what? I'm looking at nature. I, I feel the healing properties of it. it. It feels very spiritual. Why don't I go look at my Bibles and see if there's anything in there? I looked at my Bible. I still have my name engraved on the side, Crystal M. Simmons. There were no markings on it. <laughs> there were no dog ears. There, it was just like almost a brand new little Bible. I'll let you know how much I used it. Then I looked at my mom's Bible. She had two of them. One of them was gently used. The other one had um, like, what was it? The McDonald's ah, Monopoly. You know, the little Monopoly game. So it had a free French fry inside of her Bible. She had some little markings and I'm like, well, I'm not getting anything here. Now, not unless the conversation is that I'm supposed to go to McDonald's and get some French fries, which I do like. But when I opened my grandma's Bible, which is the family Bible, granny was a woman who just wrote all in the Bible. She wrote on the outside, uh, not the outside, she wrote on the inside cover. She wrote on the um, pages. She documented when she finished each chapter, like every single space in the Bible was written in. And so I'm looking at her handwriting and I'm looking at the date and it was April 16th, 1973. I was born in 74, but in 1973, she wrote all this beautiful language about Mother Earth. At least I thought that's what she was writing. But she called, she called the entity Uncle Sam. 
And she wrote, never be afraid of trees. We will never leave you. She didn't say they will never leave you. She said, never be afraid of trees. We will never leave you. She said, um, rest. Uncle Sam will tell you more. And so all this little kind of cryptic language in, in her Bible made me question, what is she writing about? Grandma was a very, very devout Christian. Should I say a very devout public Christian? But she was also institutionalized. And that was like my earliest memories of her to be in a, a mental asylum in Topeka, Kansas. But the more I read inside of her Bible and in, in her language, I questioned whether or not her reference to Uncle Sam and all these connections to trees had anything to do with who I call Mother Earth. I kept on reading, kept on reading, got down to the bottom, and it said, Uncle Sam will tell you more, sun, stars, and moon. My grandma had a connection with nature that was private. And it could have been so, so connected that it cost her her freedom. And reading her words granted me permission to live this authentic truth of eco-spirituality because my grandma was not afforded the opportunity to do so. I am a black woman embracing a spiritual practice that is not part of our narrative in our family. The inherited religion that I received was to be a Baptist. My mama was, my grandmama was, my dad is. So the whole lineage, as far as I know, um, were Baptist. So I wrote a piece that's going to be published later on this year called Divorcing the Dominant Black Baptist Narrative. I forgot where this question was coming from. I think it was about what I learned from my grandma. It was. <laughs> but, but it's a permission. It's a permission that I got from, from an ancestor, from an elder that says it's okay to walk my own spiritual path. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to share that path with others if they want to walk it with you. That's what I got. Well, thank you. That's powerful. And um and also how wonderful that you have her written words that you could go back and reflect on. Um, lovely. Thank, Thank you. you. So um, I wanna open it up. If anybody does have questions, you can either uh, put it in the chat box or uh, raise your hand. And I thought I saw one go up, but maybe you went down. Um, so please feel free to ask. And while we're waiting for um, questions, I just wanna say that um, it, I'm told, Chris, that today it's a little synchronistic. We're talking today about Black Joy. So if you want to share with us why that's so synchronistic. Perfect, perfect. So tomorrow, September 12th, is National Black Joy Day. And I didn't make this up. It really is a thing. Feel free to Google it. It was started, I think, in 2019 or 2020 by Thaddeus Miles in Boston. The mayor declared it national or 
maybe at that point it was local Black Joy Day, but other cities have been um, taking the charge. And so I think Black Joy should be celebrated all year round, but I am kicking it off with a Black Joy week and it starts right here. Wonderful, thank you. Um, again, please feel free to share any questions. There's a bunch of appreciation here for you, Chris. And so you also said about you're, you're having a whole week for, uh, I mean, obviously I think you have a whole uh, year life <laughs> around Black Joy, but um, specifically focused this week. And uh, you have another thing coming up too called uh, Black Joy Astride, how movement moves the message. Um, you wanna say anything more about that? Or I'm particularly curious about slow movements. You mentioned something slow movements in there, so. Yes, so I don't know if you're going to share it on the page, but I have another, um, actually as a panel discussion coming up on Thursday with five panelists who are, uh, who participated in this pilot study called Black Joy as a Stride, where literally I invited them to move slow in green spaces. Mm -hmm. And the background consisted of trees, and they just walked slowly by every single tree. And I captured their movement and turned it into a short film and played it in slow motion so that it could be a conversation and an invitation to slow down. We are constantly on the go. We're constantly tending to other people, but this is the conversation to slow down and be mindful in our spaces. Great, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I think I have one last question for you and then we'll wrap things up. And so I'm wondering when you get overwhelmed, uh, how do you return to joy? Mm, I nap. <laughs> I nap, I cry, um, and I am gentle with myself. Mm. I am at a place in my life where I can say, this shit's not working, I need to hit pause. Mm. So I hit pause, allow that gentleness to wash over me and I take a nap and then get back to it the next day or if it's two days later, whatever it takes for me to heal, that allows me to go back to being better for others. Thank you. I don't know that I would think to, that the answer would be to take a nap. So I think that's important. So I really appreciate that um, bit of wisdom. Uh, yes. Um, is there anything else you would like to say, Chris, before we end? Um, I want to get close and give some eye contact. I can't pronounce everybody's name. And I just want to give some love to everybody. So if you would turn to the side and give me your cheek, mm -hmm. I just want to Give you, 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 and give you. So everybody on the screen, you just got some love from Tallahassee, Florida. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us and for doing this incredible work around. Black joy, and really, I do wish you all the best in this research. I think it's fascinating and wonderful, and we need more of it. And, um, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today and listening. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Chris's work, again, you can find 
she has quite a lot of information on her website called MotherEarthAcademy.me. And I invite you to join us next month for our next teleseminar on October 16th, which is hashtag land back with Tate Walker, who is an amazing two-spirit poet, storyteller, and author. And their recent book, Trickster Riots, is honestly my favorite poetry book. So I'm sure this is going to be a very, another very beautiful um, and inspiring talk. So please join us. You'll be able to find this recording as well as the other webinars in our series on our website, natureevolutionaries.com, as well as on Spotify and Apple iTunes. And while visiting our website, of course, I invite you to please press that donate button. Your donations help us to continue to do our work of creating educational opportunities and listening to and building relationships with the living earth. And we have an exciting fall. So um, on September 24th, we invite you to join us for our biannual global gratitude ceremony, where we recognize mycelia and the incredible contribution they provide to the web of life. Details and suggestions for a ceremony, as well as just a gorgeous video are on our website. And also you can find information on our upcoming Rekindling Ancestral Memory Community Circle, which is co-facilitated by Hilary Giovale and our executive director, Alicia Holiday. This is their third year of offering this circle. And um, I happen to have heard that there's gonna be some incredible surprises and, and um, new teachers coming in too. So please check that out. And then until next time, May you take a moment to look at and appreciate the gorgeous soil that supports life, remembering the vast web of mycelium, reminding us that we live in a community of nourishment and reciprocity. And of course, may you have a beautiful day. Thank you all. <laughs>